Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here as always is my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? I'm good, Adam. I um, I was scrolling through Instagram just now, and I think this is a perfect way to kick off the program, as we, as we know that Adam and I are possibly classified as cinephiles. Maybe. Possibly. So, Adam, you like movies. We do. We do like a nice film. Yes, we 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 do love some some great films. So, Adam, I have a question for you. This okay. was on Barstool's Instagram. Name three films that are perfect. Front are to back, perfect. Perfect. Yep. Wow. Um, I have to think about this one because there there are. There. Oof. This is tough. Because there's gonna be there's gonna be stuff that I that I leave out. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference. Some of my favorite films maybe are not like are not perfect. Back to front. Okay. It is a matter of opinion. I mean, if you find no. if you find it perfect, then you can you can say it. Like if you name think three if you films. think the empire uh, if you think Empire Strikes Back is perfect, then Empire is, Strikes well, Back is perfect. It is perfect. I'm gonna say. The Godfather Part Two. Oh, that's a great shout. Um, Empire Strikes Back because it is it is perfect. I love that's it. That's fair. That's very fair. And one of my favorite movies that I never talk about, but it is is it's The Departed. I love the. Oh, Departed. that is a great shout. Oh, Adam. Yep. Ten out of ten choices. Ten out of ten. The Departed is excellent. Anybody who hasn't seen it, please pause this podcast right now and go watch The Departed. I mean, you have full permission. Such a star-studded cast. Really, in that you movie. are kidding. It is and ridiculous. It is just so well done. It is so well done. The acting is really, really good. I have to name my three. Fuck. Well, I'm not going to say Godfather Part Two because you said that, but that was one of my choices. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, number one, not close. Right. That's that's my favorite film of all time. N- nobody, that nothing will ever change that. Nothing will ever change that. Um, hmm. <sighs> See, I want to say, <sighs> I want to say Revenge of the Sith because we all know my love for that film. But there are some flaws with Revenge of the Sith that it's I'm not. Really... It's definitely not perfect. It may no. be a good movie, but it's not perfect. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's not a perfect movie. Um, Parasite. Yep. Parasite. Parasite is one of the top five films that I've ever watched. Like front to back, I stayed glued and entertained the entire time. I entertained is a strong word, but enthused. Enthused. That's the Indeed. word. Engaged really would Engaged. be a better. Engaged. Thank you, Adam. You're you are on a roll today. Engaged. That's no it. bird bucks for that. Uh that you get five bird bucks for that. <laughs> they're a little they're a little bit down. They're like Dogecoin and Bitcoin right now. They're 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 faltering in the market right now, but that's okay. Can you imagine if Elon Musk was like tweets about bird bucks? If Elon Musk tweets about bird bucks, I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm gonna be a billionaire, and this podcast will be canceled forever, quite frankly. Um so we have Parasite, Shawshank Redemption, and I have two films for one spot. And I don't know what I want to go with. It's either it's either Gone with the Wind or No Country for Old Men. I'm going to go with Gone with the Wind. It is a classic. It, it, it is. Again, anybody who's not seen Gone with the Wind, you are uncultured. Absolutely uncultured. I remember, Adam, speaking of Gone with the Wind, I remember the first time anybody told me to watch that. And I watched, I was there for about two minutes. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's all black. It's all black and white. It's all like, it's, it's, it's old school, you know, clearly, yep. clearly, clearly by the end of it, my life had just completely changed. I, I said, there's probably not going to be just a pure film like this that I'll ever watch the rest of my life. So good. It is so good. You could put Casablanca in there as well. Yep. Love, love me some Casablanca. I, lo- I love me my old, uh, my old black and white films. You love, you really love to see it. 
Yeah, I mean, one film, I guess if we're doing extras, one that's close for me, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I mean, it's so, you should, because it is so close to your name. You'd be surprised. It's Birdman. Uh, I love Birdman. Michael with, Keaton is a fucking genius. Yeah, Michael Keaton. It's so good. It's, it's so good. Birdman took my name, number one. I was before Birdman, so Birdman can go fuck himself. Number two, Michael Keaton was excellent in that film. I was the only, I think I was one of the few people that weren't mad, that wasn't mad when Birdman won Best Picture. I was not mad out. at all. I was like, wow, they actually fucking got one. I'm like, what's the controversy? It's a really, really good movie. There was no, there was no controversy. I think the only, the only real film that I can actually say that when it won Best Picture, besides the one, The Father, I think it was from this year, but I, I, I haven't seen it just because it's like a shitty year for movies, obviously. But yeah. the one, the one where I was just kind of like, wait, what was Parasite? I, I had never heard of it. I was like, what the fuck is this? And, and then you saw it. <laughs> I'm gonna do a little, a little name drop right now. I mean, I'm gonna kind of flex. So I apologize in advance. So my my uncle is a part of the Academy who votes on the uh, the Oscars, Academy Awards, whole bit. And I remember when, because he he gets all of the movies before. So when they're all in theaters, when they get released at theaters, he gets them right away. So he's able to watch them all and see what he likes, see what he doesn't like. And that year when it was Parasite, I forget who he voted for when it was, hold on. I need to, uh, I need to, I need to look this up. So Parasite, uh, best picture nominees. Okay. Who was in the. You know, it's funny because it was only two years ago, but it feels like 50 years ago. You're right. It does. It literally feels like 50 years ago, but Parasite was. Parasite was fucking incredible. But I just forget who the fucking nominees were that year. So I'm, I, I finally have found the list. I just need okay. to scroll all the way down to the bottom. So it was 2019, 2020. Okay. Okay. Yes. So that year when my, my uncle voted for the 2019, 2020, he voted for 1917, which was right. also was very, very good. Very good. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that it, that it wasn't you know great or anything, but it, it was very good. I literally, I, I watched 1917 because I hadn't seen it before the awards. And then I watched Parasite. I called him after I finished both. And I said, how the hell did you not vote for for uh, Parasite? <clears throat> it was night and day. It was night and day. So much better. And it was, what he said to me was it wasn't anything that he hasn't seen before from Korean cinema. So I was like, wait, what? God, that is so cool. He was like, yeah, yeah, this is how all (laughs) Korean films basically are made. But this is the one that actually made it mainstream. I was like, holy shit. That's actually sick. The Koreans know how to make their movies. Well, the funny thing is you made it sound like he's being pretentious, but he probably, but he wasn't being pretentious. No. The way you said it. No, but no, but he wasn't. No. He's, he he said this is how this is their culture. This is how they make their films. That's why he's in the academy. Yeah, this, he, he, and he was he just said this is not something that was new to me because I had seen this kind of uh, cinematography done before from Korean filmmakers. This is how they do it. That's very cool. But this was just the one that decided to make it mainstream, and it's one of the best movies I've ever fucking seen. Well, it's like uh, it's like the ring and like, you know, Jap- the Japanese horror movies. Yep. Yep. It's 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 the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. The Japanese had their way of making their horror movies. The Koreans have their way of making their movies. The Americans have their way of making their movies, which are just completely hit or miss. Depending yes. on, well, uh, it's the same thing with video games, too, because Japanese horror games are very different. Oh, unless yeah. yeah. Unless you're Resident Evil. But Japanese horror games are usually more subtle and stuff like that where it's more atmospheric, like Silent Hill, for example. True. Yeah, very true. You're right. So. But that was a very fun, uh, very fun start to the show. Three perfect films. Three perfect films. What are your three perfect films? Please let us know. 
please let actually, us know in the comments. Because I'm actually pretty interested. I, th- listen, there there are not many wrong answers. I think the only wrong answer is Avatar. Avatar wasn't perfect. Avatar was, a, was terrible. I didn't think it was that bad. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Really? Well, you haven't Awful. seen it. You know what was one of the worst movies I've ever seen? Well, the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which is the only You movie. are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I will not accept Pirates of the Caribbean slander on this podcast. Absolutely not. That was the only movie I ever walked out of. You are on drugs. I was with my dad, actually. In the, wor- in and- the words of Stephen A. Smith, I'll try and do this to the best of my ability. Are you on drugs? Are you on drugs? <laughs> no. It was just like boring. It was just boring. My dad was just like, what? you want to leave? What? It just seemed like nothing was happening. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Wow. Pirates of the Caribbean is excellent. Listen, excellent movie going. Hold on. Yeah. I like the first one. I'm talking about the second one. Which was the second one? Dead Man's Chest. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I thought you were talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dead Man's Chest was not great. Thank Dead you. Man's Chest was not great. Okay. All right. I owe you an apology. You're going to yell at, yell at me, ask me if I was on drugs all because, I mean, I, I just. I, you I were not very word. clear. I said Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Maybe, uh, maybe it dropped. I did, I did, did not process the two. I apologize. Yes, Dead Man's Chest is a fine shout. I wouldn't say it's a good shout. It's a fine shout. No, the first one was so good. Was really good. I the liked fir- the first, the first one. one. Was oh my god! That's the reason why I saw that. Why we saw the second one in theaters is because the first one was good. Was there a second Avatar? No, I think they're working on it. I hope it never comes out. I mean, another one, the remake of Wall Street. Money never sleeps. Oh, the Wolf of Wall Street. No, 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 not the Wolf of Wall Street. It's the oh crap. I forgot who's in it. It's called Wall Street. Money never sleeps. It's a re- oh, it's- oh 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 um. Is that the one with um? Charlie Sheen makes a cameo in it. Is that with Michael Douglas? Yes. Yep, that's the one. Uh, was, I saw, that two, was that 2010? I think that came out. Something like that. I was in middle school. That was with um. Shia LaBeouf was in that too. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf was in it. Charlie Sheen made a cameo. It was very weird. And it was then, not good. Who was? Oh God! Who was the lady that was in that fucking film? She was in. Um, oh God! She was in Gatsby too. I'll be honest. When I when I saw that movie, <sighs> when I walked out of the out of the theater with with my friend, right after we said, "God, this movie was terrible," a bunch of Men in Black came and wiped our memories because I barely remember anything about that movie. Besides the fact that Charlie Sheen was in it. That's fair. For five seconds. Fuck. Who played Daisy Buchanan in fucking Gatsby? I should know it took place in my fucking town. Carrie Mulligan. That's it. That's it. Bang. Get it. Oh, that was going to bother me. That was I, I literally was going to think about that for the entire show until it came to me. Carrie Mulligan. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, every, and everyone was, was very unhappy that it wasn't like Reese Witherspoon or uh, Jennifer Lawrence that was playing, da- playing Daisy Buchanan. She did fine. I don't know. She was fine. Yeah. Have you not seen Gatsby? I've seen Gatsby. Okay, good. It takes place in my t- Never mind. Well, that's right. That's right. That is, a, that, is a, um, that is a homegrown film. I'm super, I'm frankly shocked that it wasn't like required reading in high school. That wasn't required reading for you? No. It was for us. I think in some classes it was, we had to read it. You had to read it, but we, read we it. never read it. I read it. I read it. I watched both films. I never read the Scarlet Letter either. What? I read it in ninth grade. Nope. Catcher in the Rye? Yes. That was that was tenth grade, I think. Eddie Birdsell, great guy. Eddie Birdsell. That's a great guy. We were, I mean, we were Holden Caulfield, excellent guy. Horrible human being. Excellent human being. You are on drugs. 
throwback neckbeard is what is Holden Caulfield. You are out of your mind. I will not accept any Holden Caulfield slander on this podcast. Such a whiner. He's, he is I hate, a gentleman. He's a, he sucks. He's a gentleman. Oh, woe is me. I have to go to school and stuff. And people don't like me. Uh, Ferris Bueller had one of the best-selling movies of all time because he didn't want to go to school. What's your point? Yeah, we didn't whine about it. He, cre- he created a master plan to fake being sick, and then he went to a Cubs game. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So the difference between Ferris Bueller and Holden Caulfield is Ferris Bueller just had a more well-executed plan and wasn't no. whining about anything, correct? It's their personalities is the difference. Oh, it's their personalities. Well, I like Holden Caulfield. Fuck Ferris Bueller. One of the most overrated movies of all time. Can we just agree on one thing? No, we will never (laughs) agree on anything. The most overrated movie of all time. Ah, No, I shouldn't say that. One of the most overrated movies of all time. Avatar's most overrated (laughs) movie of all time. Now, that slander I will accept in this podcast. Fuck Avatar. Fuck those blue people. Okay. Can we get into the news and notes, please? Shortly. Shortly. Fuck Avatar. All right. So the big news is that Aaron Rodgers did a wonderful interview with Kenny Mayne. <laughs> Just a wonderful. He's, right, right for daytime television, that, that thing is. He's a national fucking treasure. He is such a national treasure. I mean, Kenny Mayne's been doing this doing this a long time. I mean, yeah, he, he's a great interviewer. And Aaron Rodgers is a great interviewee. Well, I think it helps that they're boys. I, yes, I, I, it does. I think that definitely helps. And the well, fact that Aaron yeah. – first of all, Aaron Rodgers looked terrific. Absolutely wonderful. The hair all quaffed. The beard looked perfectly shaped. It was. It really was just an excellent thing to see from my keeper quarterback. And hopefully he'll be back. Uh, on a football field very, very, very soon for the sake of Bendit Like Bailey and its associating partners. I, I, I just, I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I absolutely love him. He, he, he kind of reminds me of like a Brooks Kepka, of like the, I'm just a fucking beast. I know I'm fucking terrific. I know I'm the fucking greatest. If you don't think so, fuck you and get the hell out of my way. But at least in public, he's not a dick about it. Oh, I think he is. Like if you were to see him out in the street, I'm sure he would he would be a dick. But if he's on if he's on TV with his boy, you know, no, he's, not said, gonna, he's not going to be a dick. Well, I'm saying like outside of public, outside of the public eye, he's not a dick about it. Oh no, no, no! I think he's I think he's a good guy when he's with his uh, his close uh, his close confidant. I mean, even in like. Press conference. I mean, speaking from a guy who has had to cut up multiple Aaron Rodgers press conferences over over parts of two seasons, you would be well versed in this area. I understand that Aaron Rodgers is very quotable, and that a lot of the times I have hosts requesting me to get Aaron Rodgers cuts because of the things that he says. The man has a dense, extensive vocabulary. I I, I will say that. Also, apparently, he's. If he wants to retire, he can also uh, write some Ebo poetry. He absolutely that is can. what his press conference sounded like after losing to Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game. The man is a, the man is a, just a national treasure. Protect Aaron Rodgers at all costs. So the new the news with this is, I mean, first of all, Aaron Rodgers is still not at OTAs, and even Don't though they're voluntary. Even though they're voluntary, he he's been there past year, past couple of years. He's not he's not there now, and he probably won't be for a while, if ever. And I mean, what are your takeaways from the interview? Besides the fact that Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Besides the fact that Aaron Rodgers is amazing, I mean, it was pre- it was pretty telling. I think he he basically laid out exactly what. Well, I wouldn't say exactly word for word, but. He basically detailed what he thinks is wrong with the Packers. It has nothing to do with the t- his teammates. It has nothing to do with the fans. It more just has everything to do with a a difference in philosophy, I guess, that he has with the front office. And 
you know, I, I, I heard it and I just said, you know, this just sounds very fixable. You know, it didn't strike me as something that was, you know, as something that could not be fixed. And, you know, for, for me, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, anything that the lever really moved for me in any way, because I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback for the Packers come 2021. But, you know, there is definitely things that need to be mended and things that needs that need to be uh, patched up. And if that basically is solved with general manager Brian Gutenkunst being relieved of his duties and given a pay bump to go be an advisor to the president of football operations, then so be it. Yeah. I mean, on a scale of Adam Fox to Jack Eichel, how likely is Aaron Rodgers to leave the Packers in the off season? Mm. I would say, I would say he's not, he's not Adam Fox. He's like, he's like, he's like Keandre Connor, he's like Connor McDavid he's like Connor McDavid yeah good good shout good shout I would I would say 25 25 chance yes 75 percent chance no actually he is kind of like Connor McDavid because he's like probably the best player in his sport currently who is frustrated with his team's front office and how his roster is constructed uh, Patrick Mahomes might, might have something to say about that okay fine one of the best players in his sport there you go Frustrated as front office and the roster construction. Yep, yep. That that's fair. That's fair. He he he's he's like Connor McDavid. God, did you see Connor McDavid's face when when the Jets scored the fourth goal after they blew a four-one I mean, lead? That was kind of my face. He's like, eh, oh god, <laughs> it's happening again. Adam, here here's this one for you. Before before we go on to the other news, the other news of the day. If I said to you, just yes or no, very simple. Alexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, three first-round picks for Connor McDavid. Yes or no? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, I'm saying yes that. to that, too. I would do that. I would. I wouldn't I would. I would drive them to the airport. As Ryan yeah. Mead would say, I would drive them to the airport. I would do that in a fucking heartbeat. And that's nothing against... Lafreniere or Keandre Miller. I love them both. Think about it. Think about it. Well, we're not going to be able to sign. Well, listen, you let Ryan Strom go in free agency. Yep. And then you sign Mika Zimetjad. Mika Zimetjad is your two is your two C. And Connor McDavid up front. Oh my God. Connor McDavid with, can you imagine if Gerard Gallant, hopefully plays Chris Kreider on the first line? No, no. Relegate Chris Kreider to the fucking fourth line. Fuck him. It would be, it's K, KCB. Because it would be Kako McDavid, or KMB. My bad. Kako, Kako McDavid, McDavid. Yeah. And then Mika with Artemi on the second line. With Kraftsov. Oh. So then we cry. Oh, yeah. Panarin, Mika, and Krasov. I mean, listen, I, I, I still, I still think Lafreniere is a fucking king. I would never want to trade him. However, in these circum, in these circumstances where Connor McDavid could potentially be available, honestly, the Oilers might want to. The Oilers might just want to throw in Georgiev because, like, we need a goaltender. We need a fucking goaltender. Give it, just give us Georgiev. Yeah, that that listen, that that is entirely possible. And if that's the case, see ya. But I mean, can you imagine Alexi Lafreniere playing with Leon Drysaddle? That would kind of break my heart. Kind of break my heart. Yeah, but at the same time, we would have Connor McDavid. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's probably the only the only other human being that I would want on my team in replace of Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, Austin Matthews too. Oh, that'd be fun. Austin Matthews too. Austin Austin Matthews is is very underrated. The guy really the guy scores I don't think 40 he's underrated. Oh yes, he is. The guy scores forty goals in his sleep, and he's still no, mentioned nowhere near the same breath as McDavid. 
Yeah. I mean, for as, about as underrated as a Maple Leafs player can be. That's true, which is crazy. But now that McDavid's out of, is out of the playoffs, we'll see, you know, how much they talk about Matthews. Because well, now I, mean, I think everyone's talking about right now is, you know, what the future is for McDavid and Edmonton. Well, if, if Austin Matthews takes the Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, Mitch Warner, and everybody else takes the Maple Leafs uh, further into the playoffs, I think people are probably going to be talking more about Austin Matthews and how great he is. I agree. And good shout, by the way, for uh, taking the Jets in our uh, – our playoff prediction show on the BTP. You called that. No problem. Good shout. Good shout. Note to self, never trust the Oilers with anything ever again. It's true. I mean, the Oilers are terrible in the playoffs yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. They didn't even put up a fucking fight. I know. Awful. Awful, awful. It's Connor Halb, but I mean, yeah, no. They Connor Halb is sick. He's amazing. He's That's the sick. thing. And, I mean, the Jets were allowed to get away with a lot, a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. Say that again. Anyhow. Man, you, we just cannot stay on topic today. No. No, there's just a lot to talk about. Um, the last two bits of news before we move on to wide receivers um, actually concerns running backs, weirdly enough. What do you know? Um, the, the tandem, the committee, is back in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones, the second, and Leonard Fournette will be splitting carries. So, okay, not a surprise for me. Anyway, I figured sure. that that was going to be that was going to be a thing. But I think that now that it's confirmed, it's kind of interesting. To see, it will be interesting to see how, um, just how much the carries are split. Like what the what the split is percentage wise, just because. Leonard Fournette performed so well in the playoffs. You'd think that he earned more of a more of a share in the carries. Ah, oh, God. But really, I don't want to touch this. No, either. no. This is this is definitely a mess. I mean, if you're in the camp that you think that Bruce Arians just wants every excuse in the world not to use Ronald Jones then Leonard Fournette probably would be a very, very good value pick. But then that being said, Leonard Fournette has has the durability issues. If he's the guy by himself, I don't know if you could trust him to really stay healthy. And with both of them, you don't really know what kind of PPR upside they have. Non-PPR, they're much more, I think, plausible targets than they are in PPR because you know in PPR, Giovanni Bernard is going to be on the field on third down. You, you know that for 100% fact. They brought unless, Giovanni Bernard in to be the pass catching back. Unless we forget he'll be on the Keyshawn field Vaughn. on third down. And Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn is still there too. Yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn. Okay. Great. Great. I'm just saying, it's just like, it's a, it's a serious thing that, I mean, the, the Bucks just have too many running backs. Where's, where's our guy, uh, Ogie, Dario Gumawale? Great. I think guy. he's with Jacksonville. I know he is. I know he is. I miss him. I miss him. Maybe, maybe the Bucks really want to make me super, super happy. Maybe they go. Maybe they go and sign Logan Paulson. Wouldn't that be just exquisite? That would be just absolutely, absolutely lovely. Um, and then the other bit of news, Adam. I don't know if you if you heard this, but there are reports out there that Saquon Barkley is not going to be the workhorse guy, at least to start, for the New York Giants. I did see that. Jordan Ronan, the beat reporter for ESPN for the Giants. Correct. The, the Rich Samini of the other side of MetLife Stadium. Uh, that is very, very true. He he basically said so. The, um, the Ed Werder to your Rich Samini. Yep. Love Edward, great guy. I thought, uh, oh, I thought it was um, crap. I forgot his name. I thought it was somebody else that is the beat reporter for the Cowboys, for ESPN. For ESPN, it is. Hold on, keep going, keep going, and I will have the uh, the answer for you. And I I have his freaking face in my head. So I feel like this is understandable. Saquon Barkley coming back from a serious serious knee injury for a running back, 
you know, you want to ease him in. Todd and Archer. Todd Archer. That's who it was. But yeah, you you'd think that the Bucks would I mean, you'd think that the Giants would ease in Saquon Barkley because this is their franchise guy. At least you think that it's their friend this is their franchise guy. From what David Gettleman says, this is their franchise guy. And they want to be as cautious as possible because Saquon Barkley not only had this knee injury last year, but also he has a history of injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if Saquon Barkley isn't like put in a catatonic state for like for the second half of games. You know, it's like they treat it like like extended preseason. They could. I mean, they they definitely could. I mean, even even with him coming back, you know, I always expected that there was going to be some sort of leeway, you know, in terms of what the Giants want to do with with Barkley. It wasn't going to be guaranteed that he'd be a 20, 25 touch guy right right off the bat. So, you know, I I would say if if you're thinking about taking Saquon Barkley in, in, in your drafts, this has to be very concerning. If you didn't expect this, which I would say, I don't know why you wouldn't have expected it, but if you are, if you're now reconsidering your stance, where does Barkley fall? You know, for, for me, Barkley is, he's a top seven or eight guy. And that hasn't changed much, but I know people that had him as high as two. People had him as high as three. And for me, I just was not taking him that highly in, in PPR. I would, I'd rather have Henry. I'd rather have Cook. I'd rather have Kamara. And that hasn't really changed much. He's kind of in that, that group right now of it's himself and it is Zeke, kind of. And, you know, if you asked me who would I rather have, I, you could make the case for Zeke. And that's putting all Cowboys bias aside. So I think Zeke is in the better offense than than Barkley is. And Zeke also has the benefit of not coming back off of a major injury. Correct. And you know I Zeke mean, is going to get the rock at least right away. Right. So I think that really your strategy, if you're going to be drafting Saquon Barkley, you better fucking get Devontae Booker or Reichel Armstead or Corey Clement. Yep, or you or you better make sure that if you're taking Barkley at say four or five overall, you better you better pray that there's a second running back option coming back for you in the middle of the second round. That too. All right, let's get into it. Wide receivers. I mean, we it's kind of funny how this works. Sometimes it works at sometimes these topics work out in our favor, sometimes they don't. It would have been nice if the Julio Jones news had broken during our wide receiver segment, which is this one, and not during the running back segment. But um, I think that Fantasy Pros has kind of reflect, hasn't necessarily reflected the drop in Julio Jones, but they will. Because it because his situation is in flux. I mean, that's the first thing we gotta we gotta touch on. That the that the situation is in flux and you have to, you know. You have to you have to monitor it, and it's the same thing when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson and other players who are in um, uncertain terms with their teams. Yeah, I listen. I can't I can't disagree with anything you just said because you're right. Right, for once, you can't disagree with anything I said. Very uncommon that we uh, we agree on everything. But, I mean, where would you be comfortable taking Julio Jones? Or is that more of a question to be answered when he gets traded, if he gets traded? It definitely is a question that needs to be answered when he's when he's traded. It depends on where he goes. If he is in Baltimore, there's a reason to believe that Julio Jones could be a, a top third-round pick, middle of the third. If he's in New England, hmm. I think he'll be I think he'll probably be a late third just because of the uncertainty at the at the quarterback position. He goes to Tennessee. I mean, ugh. 
you could talk about Julio being late second just because of the hype. Oh, yeah. Of Julio in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, with A.J. Brown, Tannehill. I mean, oof. I, I don't want to live in a world where Julio gets drafted to Tennessee because then I'll have to answer every fucking question under the sun about what I'm doing with A.J. Brown, what I'm doing with Julio Jones. But the, the, the fit just makes so much sense. I just don't want to live in a world where Julio Jones goes to the Patriots because I just don't want that to happen. I don't want to, I don't want to see it happen either personally. Cause I think that that's just not, unless they're going to have, unless it's for Mac Jones, unless it's for Mac Jones, you know, they want to give Mac his shiny new toy, but it's, it's going to be cam. I uh, God, I thought you were going to, when you said, as long as it's for Mac Jones, I thought you were going to say trade Julio Jones for Mac Jones. The Jones for Jones trade. The Jones for Jones exchange. The Jones trade. They just call it the Jones trade. Jones trade. Mac for Julio. Yep. I'm sure Matt Ryan would love that. Yeah. Who are you? Why are you here? Who are you and what have you done with the other with the other Jones? Wait a minute. That's not supposed to be an that's not supposed to be an M. It's supposed to be a Jag. What happened? Can you imagine if he takes 11, too? Oh, there would be... Hey, at least Atlanta uh, Falcons fans would be happy. They wouldn't have to get a new uh, Mac Jones jersey. No. They'd be able to still have Jones 11. I've been a, I've been a big Mac Jones fan. I knew we were going to get him. I knew we were going to get him. I had his jersey the entire time. I feel like Falcons fans would be like, I knew we were going to get Mac Jones, but not like this. Fair. <laughs> But I, I doubt that's going to happen. Highly doubtful. The Jones highly, trade highly is not going to happen. I, Julio Jones getting traded will. But let's let's go into some more discussions about these receivers because this is a fun game of Would You Rather. I love this game. This is a great game. So, would you rather these got these receivers are ranked ninth and eleventh? In fantasy pros, Michael Thomas is nine. And I feel like I know where you're going to go with this. So I'm just going to say it. Alan Robinson at the 11. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Because I have, I have both of them actually higher than the consensus does. I have Michael Thomas at number eight. And I have Allen Robinson at number nine. So I'm higher than the consensus is on both. I'd rather have Michael Thomas, but it is very, very close. I think they're kind of in the same sort of situation, believe it or not, where I think with Michael Thomas, there's unknown with the quarterback, but I think you're at least somewhat comfortable with the quarterback options that Michael Thomas has. If it's Jameis Winston, you know, you, you have the big arm there. You have the proven track record of success with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Tampa Bay. Now you're just putting him in a better situation, a better spot with Sean Payton as his head coach to get the best out of him. And I think I think Jameis Winston truly has really grown from when he was in Tampa to not having that not work out to being cut and then signing with New Orleans, watching his old team win a Super Bowl without him in year one. You know, I think that definitely – could have changed him. I think he's motivated. I think he is ready to, you know, take that step if need be. And he's got a very, very good starting point with, with Michael Thomas. I would expect Michael Thomas to be heavily leaned on, whether it is Jameis Winston or whether it is Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, we all know, we all saw that last year. We all saw, you know, just how heavily Taysom Hill leaned on Michael Thomas in the passing game. So, I mean, if you draft Michael Thomas, then it is Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback for the Saints. I think you'll be okay with that. Uh, any any Alvin Kamara manager will probably not be too thrilled, but you know if it if it is if you do on Michael Thomas and Taysom Hill, you know you're probably okay with that. As for Allen Robinson, he kind of presents it's it's weird. He presents kind of the adverse situation to Michael Thomas, where you know he's going to be targeted. The problem is you just can't stand who's going to be throwing him the ball, whether it is Andy Dalton, whether it is Nick Foles, which would be horrid, 
or whether it is Justin Fields. At least to start, it looks like it's going to be Andy Dalton, who, again, much like Jameis Winston, we've seen Andy Dalton produce very, very good fantasy receivers in the past, namely A.J. Green, namely Tyler Boyd when he first arrived onto the scene. Then last year, he had Amari Cooper produce a very, very good season very, very quietly. So, I mean, Andy Dalton is not – he's not incompetent by by any stretch – I just think that a lot of people see the name of Andy Dalton and they just kind of go, Oh God, you know, and they see, and they, and they see Chicago bears quarterback, Andy Dalton. And they say, Oh, it's the fucking bears. They just can't produce anything at the quarterback position. The, 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 the curse is still in, uh, in, in full effect. It's not, Jay, it's not Jay Cutler. Bring back Jay Cutler, start Jay Cutler at all costs. And the bears will be a Super Bowl team. If it's Jay Cutler, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I still like Allen Robinson enough. He's basically going to be, you know, he's the top dog in that offense. Um, and I would expect that, you know, if he's going to be, which he is playing on the franchise deck, um, he will continue to ball out again in what will be another contract year for him. Yeah, I think I, I get where you're going because with Michael Thomas, you do have that. It's a known, you know, both quarterbacks and what they do. I mean, Jameis Winston might have grown as a person, but and as a and as a football player, but you don't know until you see it. I mean, everybody said that Sam Darnold was like so amazing, and that he does everything the right way. And I hear it every every off season before the Jets play. Oh yeah, this team has improved. You know, they're really trying to get do things the right way. They're they're pra- they practice really well. They're a really good practice team. And then they come out on the field and then they lay the biggest of eggs. So sounds familiar. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you know, but the thing is with Jameis interceptions aside, I mean, that's not Michael Thomas's fault, but, um, you know, Jameis Winston does know how to throw the ball. I love him. I know. I absolutely love him. It's it's teetering on the irrational. I think it is irrational. I think you're out of your mind. Personally. Who did the Saints play week one? Is it the Packers? I don't know. But the Saints do play the Jets this year. It is the Packers. It is the Packers. They play the Packers week one. All right. Don't start James Winston week one. Don't stream. Who do they play week two? They play the Panthers week two. Go ahead. Fire up Jameis Winston. Stream, stream, stream. Who do they play after that? The Patriots, the Giants. Oh, my God. Yeah, this gets ugly quick. Pats, Giants, Washington. Oh, God. Oh, my good Lord. They actually have a tough schedule. Holy crap. Uh, we get a th- it's a Thursday night game with Dallas. That's who we get. Oh my God. Well, fire up Jameis Winston against the Cowboys. He'll probably put up 500 yards passing and five touchdowns at the Super uh, in the Superdome. Yeah. Hey, the Cowboys, we have we have good history in the Superdome. How can that we is... forget how can we forget Tony Romo ending the undefeated season of the uh of the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. Yeah. Great time for all parties involved. God, the Saints got fucked over by the schedule makers. I mean, the they schedule got, is tough. Well, here's the thing. They have a Sunday night game against Buffalo and then a Thursday night game against, against the Cowboys. That's, that's horrid. Yeah. Well, the Jets had that. God, that was 10 years ago. Anyway. That was the the Tim Tebow game. It was the they we played again on Sunday night in our last appearance on Sunday night football against New England. And we got murdered by New England. And then we had to go to Denver for a Thursday night game. Oh my on. And that was the game. I'm surprised that the Jets even played the Broncos that close enough for the game to be won by Tim Tebow in the last second. Because I'm sure that team was gassed. But yeah, so the, so the Saints have four basically from um, November 25th up to uh, December 27th. 
that's basically a month of prime. They have four straight primetime games. A, mo- a month of primetime games. The Saints have four primetime games. Why? In a row. So it's Bill Saint, Bill Saints, Cowboys Saints, Saints Bucks, and the Dolphins Saints. Dolphins Saints is a primetime game. No, yeah, it's a Monday night. It's a Monday night game. Ew. Oh my god, that's gross. So it's yeah. two Sunday nights, and then Cowboy Saints is Thursday, and then yeah. Dolphin Saints is Monday. Sadly, yeah, Monday night game's terrible. Dolphin Saints, ugh, God, that's gross. Yeah, I'd rather have Michael Thomas. Full, full disclosure. Okay. How, here's a not here's a not serious one because I already know the answer. Brandon Ayuk or T Higgins? Oh, Brandon Ayuk. Just making, just making sure you're it's you're still real. I'm still real. I'm still real. I'm still thinking with a clear head. Brad and I are not close. Here's one. 20 and 22. CD Lamb at 20. Adam Thielen at 22. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. Jesus, that's close. Two basically 1A options in their offense or 1B yeah. options in their offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I have CD Lamb at 18. I have Adam Thielen at 20. So I'd rather have CD Lamb. But that's really, really, really close. That's really close. I think, I think it's more with CD that they, these guys offer two different things. CD is going to give you the he's going to give you the ceiling. He's going to give you the ceiling. He's going to give you the breakout potential. Whereas with Thielen, he's going to give you the week to week floor while while very important to understand this part. There is going to be some negative touchdown regression coming. I was going to say the same thing. He had, he scored 14 touchdowns last year. Yeah, he had 14 touchdowns on 74 receptions. So 60 of his catches were not touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know what the math is. 14 into 74. Uh, if I could do the quick math in my head, that is about, Okay. That's about 5.3 receptions are touchdowns for Adam Thielen. Every, every, every 5.3 five. Five receptions that Adam Thielen made was a touchdown. Well, I guess on the other side of it, you, you might end up seeing some positive regression for, for receptions also. Because I think Adam Thielen, it might not have been a great year, for receptions. I mean, it wasn't a great year for receptions. It was, it was, it was not good. It was his second lowest reception total in four years. Um, but he had 108 targets and you might end up seeing regression numbers for that too. I don't know. Or that's just the new norm with, with uh, Justin Jefferson. But, I mean, in 2018 and 2017, Stefan Diggs was there, and Adam Thielen had 142 targets in 2017 and 153 targets in 2018. So, I mean, is it a quarterback thing? Is it just an offense thing? I think it's an offense thing. I I really think it's an offense thing. I think that the whole correlation starts with Dalvin Cook. You know, you you need to analyze, you know, what – what the plan is with Dalvin Cook. And we all know this offense wants to be run through Dalvin Cook. Do I think that there's going to be some positive regression when it comes to the catches? Yeah, probably. Probably. But do I think he's going to be anywhere near the 91 receptions that he had in 2017 or the 113 receptions that he had in 2018? No. No, I don't. I, I think he probably settles in between that 74 and 91 number. Probably on the lower end, though. I think if you if you could say to me that Adam Thielen is an 80-catch guy, I think that's fine. 
I, I think that I think that's okay. Whereas with CeeDee Lamb, you know, that 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 it is a tougher one to project because you do have that three-headed monster in Dallas. They also do have a pretty pretty tough schedule on paper, at least, uh, for 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 Dallas. And there isn't much of a sample size because he's only played one season. Right. There, there, there's not much of a, of a sample size at all. But, you know, I think if, if you're looking at the numbers from last year, Wade did his rookie year, 74 receptions, basically the same as Adam Thielen. The only difference was Adam Thielen just had the 14 touchdowns. That's kind of the difference. So if you're expecting growth in year two from C.D. Lamb, say C.D. Lamb takes that receptions number, boosts it up to 80, say he gets over the thousand yard mark and say you get him seven, eight touchdowns. He'll be good. He'll be good to be a top 20 receiver. Now, I don't know. I don't know if people really expect anything more than that from CD lamb. I think it just really comes down to, you know, how you feel about Dallas potentially wanting to spread the ball out a bit. But I, I, I think CD lamb is a popular breakout pick for a reason. And, and I think this is why I, I I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this one. I think, I think, I think CD is going to be a very, very, very good pick to have a breakout kind of year. I think 80 catches and 1,100 yards could very easily be obtainable for someone like CD Lamb. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. I think, yeah, CD Lamb does give you the ceiling, like you said before. Yeah. Um, you know, he showed flashes. He's had really, really great games. I mean, the game against San Francisco. Uh, later in the season comes to mind. That was incredible. He's a great guy. The long rushing touchdown, the, uh, the onside kick recovery. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Fucking King. He's a fucking King. But you, you'd hope that Adam Thielen is going to have some of his numbers regress either positive or negatively. And he's going to average out into having a good season. Like yeah, really I think those, those touchdown numbers have got to come down. Got to. But, it, I mean, even if you can tell me 10 touchdowns in the 80 reception ballpark, I think Adam Thielen will be just fine. Listen, that's still a good season. That's, that's still, still really, really good. A really good season, yeah, that you're getting as a top 24 receiver. You're but not complaining about that. He gets dragged down a bit, though, because of the hype that surrounds Justin Jefferson. But we can't re- – the real OGs don't forget Adam Thielen in – 2017 2018 when he when he was balling out that's right adam adam knows about adam thielen in his uh 2018 campaign quite well oh yeah quite well well. i remember because you you said before that adam thielen was going to be terrible and then he had one of the best seasons ever yep i i thought i i I was never an adam thielen guy but then i really dove in and i said you know what he's my kind of receiver he's my kind of receiver i don't know why I, i never liked him but he's my kind of receiver that I like steady floor, decent enough ceiling and is in an offense where he's, he was able to produce quite frequently. I don't know why I never really got on up until recently with Adam Thielen. I, I really don't understand. That was just, I was, that was a miss on my part. Well, here's the other question. Cause I'm sure I can hear Jake's voice in my head <laughs> say with this, because what do you think is going to, What's the deal with the uncertainty at quarterback? When is when is Kellen Mond going to come in, and is he how much of an effect is he going to have on the Vikings' offense with Thielen and Jefferson? Hmm, it's a good question. It's a very good question. I think it depends on how the Vikings are this season. I think if the Vikings are a competitive team, there's less there's less likely of a chance that you'll see Kellen Mond. If the Vikings are not competitive. And, you know, the Vikings are looking at potentially missing the playoffs. Then you could see Kellen Mond sooner rather than later. I, I think that is a definite possibility. A, right. a, a definite possibility that you that you see Kellen Mond sooner rather than later. Well, here's the here's the thing. That's the that's the maybe that's like the tiebreaker for C.D. Lamb and Adam Thielen is that you might be playing is that he might be playing with Kellen Mond tie come time for fantasy playoffs. That could be, a, that's a possibility. It's a possibility. It is a possibility. And it, it, it's, it's a scary possibility because you don't know what that offense is going to do, but 
you trust Kalamon enough. At least I do. I trust Kalamon enough as a thrower to uh, to get the job done with with Thielen if need be. Right. But you know the first rule of fantasy football? Volume, volume, volume. Oh, God. No. The other minimize risk? Rule. Yes, minimize risk. Okay. It was one or the other. It's like a 1A, 1B. I think the uh, – the the second rule of fantasy football is don't draft Debo Samuel. Adam, you are learning. <laughs> Very good. Never draft Debo Samuel. That is the second rule of fantasy football. The third rule of fantasy football. Don't draft T. Higgins in the fifth round. Really, the third rule of fantasy football is don't buy into the hype. Facts. That's also true. Don't buy into the hype. All right, I have another one for you. Let's do it. 30 and 32. Mm. Deep DJ, cuts. DJ Chark Deep. and Chase Claypool. Oh, wow. Wow. That, that's another close one. Guess which one's higher. Um, My guess is Chark. It is Chark. Yeah, I, I have Chark higher as well. I have, I have Chark at 29. I have Claypool at 33. So I, I have a bit of a gap on them. I don't know if I really love it. So my, my pick is Chark, but Claypool at 33, I'm kind of second-guessing myself. I think he probably should be a little bit higher um, on my on my ranks. I just think that I, I look at the the quarterback situation and that's kind of the, the, the differing, the kind of deciding factor for me. I just think, you know, with, with Trevor Lawrence, the unicorn that's going to Jacksonville, you know, that, that kind of helps DJ Chark. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be, I don't want to say they're going to be terrible, but they're not going to be a great football team. They'll be losing in games. So that'll be more garbage time numbers for, for DJ Chark. Whereas with, with, with Claypool, I think Pittsburgh is going to want to run the football a little bit more. They drafted Najee Harris for a reason. I mean, if uh, new offensive coordinator Casey Hayward is correct that Najee Harris what? is going to get 30 to 40 carries a game, then it's going to rush present... for 6,000 yards. Yeah, exactly. No, I I just think that they drafted Najee Harris in the first round for a reason. They want to run the ball more. They're going to run the ball more. They're not going to allow Ben Roethlisberger to be the same kind of quarterback that had a dead arm by November last year happen again. And, you know, I just, I just kind of think that it's going to hurt Claypool a little bit, but I still think you know you're getting a receiver with tremendous upside in the wide receiver thirty range, which is really good value. I mean, you you stack him up, you stack him up to someone like Odell, for example. That's a really interesting conversation to have. Because Odell, I think you're going off of name value. You're going off of hype. Whereas with Claypool, you're going off of potential growth that, that could happen with with Claypool. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about Odell is he's very close to Claypool. He's at 28 on Fantasy Pros. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, close I have, to, uh, well, he's close to Chark and Claypool. I, I have Odell at 31. Yeah. So I have, him, I have Odell right in the middle. Of of Chark and and Claypool, okay. I mean, if, look if you if you could tell me that Chase Claypool, I have in my projections, I have Claypool down for sixty seven receptions, eight hundred and eighty three yards, and how many touchdowns do I have him down for? Six touchdowns. You could tell me that he's going to outperform that because I think that's on the low end, personally. If you could tell me that he outperforms that and is a seventy five catch guy. He'll outperform his ADP. Simple as that. Okay. He will outperform his ADP. 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think the thing for Odell also is that is the same thing with Barkley, where he's coming back from a serious knee injury. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. You don't, you don't know what kind of receiver Odell is going to be, at least from the jump. You don't know. Right. Okay. Uh, let's say in Cleveland. For our last one. Oh, Jarvis Landry? Is Jarvis it's Landry Jarvis, done? It's Jarvis Landry. Oh, boy. So 37 and 39 on Fantasy Pros. Jarvis Landry is 39. Okay. And 37 
is another J name. There are actually two J's in this person's name. And he also wears orange. Also wears orange. There are two J's in his name. Hmm. Two J's in his name. Also wears orange. Oh, is it Jerry Judy? It is Jerry Judy. Oh, okay. Jerry Judy or Jarvis Landry? This one's not close for me. I have Jerry Judy at 35. I have Jarvis Landry at 42. Wow. You are a lot lower than on Jarvis Landry than the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, go- I'm, going, I'm going with Judy. And I think it comes down to, well, people, people are going to automatically go and say, well, who's got the better quarterback? You've been talking about better quarterback, better quarterback, better quarterback. I understand. I understand Jarvis is the better quarterback, but I also think that Drew Locke is not going to be the starter in Denver. I think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. And if it is Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Or Aaron Rodgers. Or Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I mean, if, if it's Aaron Rodgers, Jerry Judy would be a top 30 receiver for me. Well, yeah, he's not He's not here yeah. at 37. He's not. He would not be at 37, 35, or anywhere in between. He would be a top 30 receiver for me. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the guy. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to really try and incorporate Jerry Judy into this offense. I think the one thing that Denver just didn't do well last year at all, granted they had their shortcomings at the quarterback position, was just really get these young receivers incorporated into the offense, namely Jerry Judy. He, he, he did not perform to the level that many people expected him to perform last year. And if it comes down to maybe Drew Locke just doesn't have the exact connection with Judy that he has with, let's say, Noah Fant, then, then that's fine. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starter. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to understand as a veteran guy, he's going to understand and get the ball to your best receivers. And I think Jerry Judy is the second best receiver on this team next to Cortland Sutton. And it's not really, it's not a huge gap between the two in terms of who the better receiver is. So if you had to ask me which one I'd rather have between Judy and Landry, I'd rather have Judy, but I think Landry's Landry's a solid flyer. He's not someone that, you know, is going to, you know, make me really, really excited to, uh, to own him, but he's a very solid guy to have on your bench in case anything happens to your top guys. Um, you know, I, I, I'm lower on Landry again than the consensus. I have him down for 65 receptions, about 873 yards and five touchdowns. So, you know, not, not exciting numbers by any stretch. No. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe it's more of a personal, not like a personal thing, but you know, you've been burned. We've both been burned by Jarvis Landry. True. In fantasy. Well, so, and it comes down to the offense that he's in, too. I mean, we that know too. that Kevin Stefanski wants to run the football, and they have two running backs that want to run the football. And I'm I'm higher than most on Chubb, and I like Kareem Hunt. Right. So, so I can't like yeah. I can't like I can't love the running backs and you know and say, oh, I'm absolutely in love with the receivers. One football at him, as you say, time and time again. There is only one football. As a sidebar uh, to this, we were talking about Jerry Judy and the Broncos offense. Where do you rank Cortland Sutton? Cortland Sutton, I have at 32. Okay. 32. It would go up a little bit with Bridgewater. Okay. A little bit. Just uh, just seeing. So you have them very – you do have them very close. You have Sutton and Judy pretty close. Oh, sorry. No, I have Sutton at 31. 31. I have Odell at 32. Oh. Yep. Sutton's at 31. I, well, I you still have him pretty close. Yep. V- very close. Very close together. Sutton would be a top 30 receiver if it's if it's Bridgewater. Okay. Well, actually, on Fantasy Pros, he is a top 30 receiver now. Is he at 29? 29. Okay. Odell okay. Beckham is at 28. Odell is at 28. Oh, wow. I'm lower than the consensus on Odell. Yeah. Uh, 31 is Mr. Anderson. Robbie? Yes. Okay. So. He's my 30th receiver. (laughs) Well, there you go. Fun stuff. Well, this is great. Next week, we're going to talk about tight ends, which is going to be a bit shallower. Yep. And I think think what we'll do for, uh, for next week is we'll incorporate, we'll do a little two and one. We'll do the tight end show 
and then we'll and do defenses? a mailbag. Oh, okay. We'll do a mailbag. Kick, kickers. Fuck that. Who would you rather have? Dan Bailey. Joey Sly or Jake Elliott? Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey is he's a free agent. Dan Bailey. That's who I'd rather have. Over all of them. Okay. Justin Tucker or Dan Bailey? Dan Bailey. Bend it like Bailey. Okay. But yes, next week, next week, tight ends, and then we'll do a uh, a mailbag. Okay. Works for me. And it should work for all of you. I hope it does. Well, they don't have a choice. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of everything under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella, wherever you get your podcasts. Like Bird said, next week we're doing tight ends and also a mailbag show. So that should be very exciting. I always love doing mailbags. Mailbag? I always love doing mailbags and answering questions from our listeners. It's a great time. It's basically like an air check. Kind of. It is. To make, to make sure that people actually listen to us. That's true. But, um, yeah. So, for my co-host, Ed Birdsell, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.